God's grace and, and God's mercy, God's peace are yours, mine, through our Lord and our Savior Jesus. We're going to look at the gospel lesson for this morning from Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, especially these words, the opening words that we heard today from Jesus, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength, our rock, our redeemer, our righteousness. Amen. So here's a question that will hopefully get you thinking just a little bit. Do you see any connection between Valentine's Day, which is going to happen on Tuesday, and what Jesus had to say to us this morning in Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 37. You know, at first glance, it would appear as though the gospel lesson for today really has nothing to do with Valentine's Day, because Valentine's Day is all about the heart, isn't it? It's all about those warm, fuzzy, romantic feelings of being in love. It's all about the heart. Well, actually, Jesus' words are all about the heart. That's his target. His target is what goes on inside of our hearts. But unlike Valentine's Day, which creates all those nice, warm, wonderful feelings, these words of Jesus don't do that. Listen again to his words. He doesn't exactly raise the most pleasant of topics the most comfortable of things for us to talk about, does he? His first topic is murder. You have heard that it was said long ago, do not murder. Now, before we begin to excuse ourselves like, well, these words of Jesus really don't apply to us, look again. Because the very next words of Jesus, he takes aim at our hearts, he points to our hearts, and he exposes the less-than-righteous anger that oftentimes lives within us. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his sister or his brother will be subject to judgment. Jesus here has just laid bare some of what goes on in our hearts. He knows what was in my heart the other night when I said to Karen, you have really irritated me. <laughs> Truth be told, I was angry over something that had been said. He knows that list of people that we have said, I am never going to forgive that person. And then when we hear these words of Jesus about our righteousness exceeding that of the scribes and Pharisees and teachers of law, for us to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we're brought face to face with this reality. We don't have what it takes. I don't have that kind of righteousness. Do you? Based on our sinful mismanagement of anger, we don't have what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, Jesus' next topic is just as uncomfortable for us as the first, maybe even more so. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. And once more, before any of us try to quickly eliminate that one from us, but no, I've not done that. I've not crossed that line. He goes on to say this. But I tell you that anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. There's just no hiding anything from him, is there? In terms of what's in our hearts. He knows where we've been on our computers. He's been there when we've taken that second look. And then when we hear these words about our righteousness exceeding that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, for us to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, we're brought face to face with this reality. Again, we don't have what it takes based on our, our sinful lack of modesty and purity when it, when it comes to our thoughts. We don't have what it takes, the righteousness. We don't have what it takes to enter the kingdom of God. Doesn't get any better with the third topic that Jesus raises, the topic of being people of integrity and people of honesty regarding the promises and the oaths that we have made. He knows all about the lies we've told him, all about the half-truths that we've spoken, all about the promises that we've broken. And then when we hear these words of Jesus about our righteousness exceeding that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law for us to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, we're brought face to face with the reality that, once again, we don't have what it takes. Based on all those times when we've been less than truthful, less than honest, less than faithful in keeping our word, we don't have what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but if I consider Jesus' words today from the gospel lesson to be kind of a test of my heart, you know, where they hook you up to the machines and they watch what's going on and see what's going on in your heart, a cardiogram, they've just pulled the plug. I've failed the test. The printout says, I don't have what it takes to enter the kingdom of God. Not with this heart. Where does that leave us? At this point, let me share with you three different images from the Bible which hopefully paint the picture of where all this leaves us right now. For these three images portray where Jesus' words exposing our, our woeful and our fatal lack of righteousness, where he intends to take us with these words. The first is the image of a man, my namesake, David. And he's on his knees in prayer. 
And he's not only outwardly confessing, but inwardly in his heart expressing that he knows he doesn't have what it takes. And he confesses against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And then he follows up with that prayer with, with, of, of confession asking God to give him what it takes. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, the second image is of a man that we simply know as a tax collector who went up to the temple to pray. He, too, like David, has seen his heart. And he is painfully aware of what has taken place in his heart. And he's unable to look God in the eye. He stays at the back of the church and he can't even lift up his head. He can't look God in the eye. And he just simply, humbly confesses, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The third image is the image of a woman. A woman who was caught in the act of adultery and brought to Jesus for him to judge and for Jesus to decide which person got to throw the first stone at her. And she knew in her heart that she didn't have what it takes. And so she's kneeling down and she's waiting for the first stone to strike her. But instead she is struck by these words of Jesus. Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she responds back, no one, sir. And then Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Then neither do I condemn you. Do you hear Jesus saying that to you now? You know, when I, when I first began putting together this message, as you can tell from some of the personal things I've shared, I felt the law. I felt the accusation of the law. I felt the condemnation of the law. And it was justified. I knew that I had no righteousness, much less the kind of righteousness that is needed in order to enter the kingdom of God, a righteousness that would exceed that of the scribes and the and the Pharisees. And then I asked, where's the gospel in this? Where are the words of forgiveness here? And where are the words of reconciliation? Where are the words telling me that my, my guilty conscience has been redeemed and, my, and I've been forgiven and restored? Where are the words telling me I'm being given what I need in order to enter the kingdom that I so want to enter? And then no sooner did I ask that question, but the answer presented itself to me. And maybe the answer has also presented itself to you as well. The gospel in Matthew chapter 
5, verses 20 through 37, is not there in words. It's there in the person speaking the words. Jesus is the gospel. He's the gospel in the flesh. He's the one who truly lived a life which had a righteousness which surpassed that of the scribes and Pharisees. And not just outwardly, as theirs was, but also inwardly. His every thought in his heart for the whole 33 years of his life was always perfect, always without sin, a perfect righteousness of life and thought. Do not think, Jesus says, that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Are you familiar with this hymn? I don't know if I can sing it or not. Jesus, your blood and righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. Remember the kid's sermon? This dress, the righteousness of Jesus. He lived outwardly. He lived inwardly. The righteous life, every thought, every word, every deed, pure, holy, innocent, good. His righteousness with God was all that righteousness needed to be. And it's been given to us by his grace, through the work of the Spirit, through the means of grace. You and I are like a preacher on Sunday morning, wearing that robe from head to toe, covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Listen to these words from Psalm 85. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. What those words are describing is what God did in sending his son Jesus to be our savior. Long before Jesus was born, Jesus is the coming together of God's faithfulness to the promise to love us unconditionally. And in Jesus, God's demand for a perfect life was met completely so that righteousness and peace, God's desire to be reconciled with us and his holiness, all come together. They have kissed each other. Sounds a lot like Valentine's Day, doesn't it? And that has created for us the forgiveness of our sins and given to us the righteousness that we need. It's yours as a gift that you and I might have what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven through the means of grace. Listen to what Paul said this way in Romans chapter 5. For if by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, 
how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of the grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? You have been given what it takes to enter the kingdom of God, covering you from head to toe the forgiveness of God in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. The kingdom of heaven, by God's grace in Jesus Christ, is yours. That's God's love for you. Happy Valentine's Day. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.